Okay, how about a story? <clears throat> story goes like this. Guy goes into the doctor's office and uh, he's got a zucchini in one ear, he's got a carrot in one nostril, and he's got a flower of broccoli in the other ear. And he says to the doctor, Doc, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I just don't feel good. The doctor kind of looks him over and he says, well, he goes, for starters, you're not eating right. <laughs> Some of you are still processing this. <laughs> Dr. Rogers, you understood it, didn't you? Yes, okay, thank you. Uh, well, today we're gonna be launching this new series that we call Rooted. And, and this series really is about helping us learn to eat right, but in a spiritual sense. How do we grow well in our faith? And uh, this is really a journey, it's a group journey that we're taking. It's not just about Sunday mornings. It's not unique to DCC. Uh, this series called Rooted actually started, I believe, in South Africa, then came to the States and has been used by churches all across the country and uh, has been really instrumental for a lot of people in helping them to grow deeper in their faith. And so we are excited to be doing Rooted together at last. Uh, as I said, the majority of what we're going to do isn't gonna be about Sunday morning. It's really about what you're gonna be doing individually and in your small group times together. And I just wanna say, don't worry, if you are just a visitor here with us and you're not able to get into a group or if maybe just your life circumstances are such that you can't do a small group right now, we'll make sure that Sunday mornings can stand alone as well. But really, to experience this series, I think to its fullest, <clears throat> you need to get into one of our Rooted Life groups. Uh, many of you who've gotten into these groups are gonna be meeting for the first time this week, launching out. Uh, some of you, by the time this morning is over, you may be thinking, man, I really should have signed up for one of those. And, and we know you're out there. You're the kids that always had to run to catch the bus in the morning. <laughs> you are the 4868 people. You know what 4868 is? That is the IRS form that you can file for an extension on your taxes every year. We know you 4868ers are out there. And uh, so fear not, oh late blooming friends, we have more grace than the IRS and there is still time to catch the bus. All you gotta do is just stop by the table in the lobby, talk to Pastor Lance, and we'll make sure that you can get on for the ride. So where are we going? If someone tells me I'm gonna go on a journey, my first question is, where are we going? Do I really wanna go there? And uh, then my second question, which is my inner six-year-old self is, well, how long is it gonna to take to get there? Um, in other words, will this be so boring that I won't be able to endure the trip? So in answer to your inner six-year-old, the journey is going to take 10 weeks, but it's not going to be boring. You're going to do stuff. Maybe you're gonna do some new stuff. Maybe you're gonna do some stuff you've never done before. And for some of you, the thought of doing new stuff or of getting into a small group when you haven't done a small group before is scary. And maybe you can relate to this guy. Why, you're nothing but a great big coward. <laughs> you're right, I am a coward. <laughs> I haven't any courage at all. All right, so if you have no courage, buckle up, get ready, you can do this. Um, the series is called Rooted, it's not rutted. And some of us need to get out of our ruts and figure out a way to grow some new roots, okay? We're gonna do this together, this is gonna be good. And, uh, and it's not just us. You know, God is on this journey with us. God is excited 
to see a whole bunch of us committing ourselves to take some new steps in our faith or maybe renew some old steps. And I think that some of us are going to experience some profound things along the way. So I'm excited to see us launch into this. So back to this question of, well, where are we going? I mean, what does it look like if we get to the destination and we really have grown the kind of roots that I think God wants us to grow in our lives? And I want to take you to a passage of scripture that goes back to the very early days of the church. Uh, What did it look like when the church was brand new and it was exciting and people were doing, I think, what Jesus was calling us to do? It comes out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Here's what they were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if we could end up at that destination? Now, we know where the action started. It's what I would call a Shazam moment, uh, the, the day of Pentecost. That happened 40 days after Jesus had ascended back to the Father. He had told his disciples to come together and to pray and to wait and that he was going to pour out the Holy Spirit on them. And, and that day came. God poured his spirit out in a way that they had never experienced before. And, and when the spirit came, some big things happened. Specifically, those disciples that were in that upper room, they went out and they began preaching about Jesus. But in a very unique way. At that time in Jerusalem, there were people from all over, Jews from all over who had gathered there, and many of them spoke different languages. And what they heard was they heard these simple fishermen come out, start preaching the gospel, but preaching in their own languages, languages they knew these guys didn't know. And that sure got their attention, and it was so weird, they're trying to figure out what is going on, what is wrong here? And they come up with the most natural theological explanation you can come up with when something like that happens. They said, you must be drunk. And Peter says, guys, it's way too early in the morning for us to be drunk. You read the story, that's really what he says. It is too early in the day for that to be the explanation. So what you're seeing, what you're hearing is God's spirit being poured out. And as Peter preaches to them, you find that 3,000 people came to faith that day in Jesus. Now that sets the stage for this beautiful picture we get of mutual caring in Acts chapter 2. So let's break down what was going on. Okay, Luke says that in writing his account, right, the the gospel of, of Luke and then the book of Acts, he said that he had gone out and interviewed a lot of people and he'd written down this history of what was going on in the early church. So when he does all of his interviews, What are the things that stood out to people about those early days of the church? Well, here it is. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we consider teaching really important here, and we spend a lot of time teaching God's Word. And so we teach through the New Testament a lot. But these guys weren't just reading the New Testament. They got the guys who wrote the New Testament talking to them. And so they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They also 
devoted themselves to the fellowship. And that's interesting. It doesn't just say they devoted themselves to fellowship, the noun. Okay, it wasn't just that, hey, we're hanging out. It says the fellowship. In other words, there was this defined group of Jesus followers that they were committed to that group. They were loving these people, living in community with them. They were told that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And that probably encompasses a couple things. One of that is just they were having meals together, right? They were breaking bread together. There's probably also overtones here of the Lord's Supper, that Jesus took bread, he broke it, he said, take this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. He served the cup. This is my, my blood given for you. And so these new believers are gathering together, having meals together, remembering what Christ had done for them. So they're breaking bread together. Then it says they devoted themselves to the prayers. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not just prayer, the verb, it's the prayers. Now, don't forget, these people came out of this Jewish background. And so there were a lot of liturgical, memorized, formal prayers that were a part of their worship experience. And, and, but you know how liturgy is. There's nothing wrong with a written prayer. There's nothing wrong with something that's traditional or liturgical, right? There's a lot of richness there. But it's possible when you just go through the same motions over and over again, that it just becomes emotion. It just becomes a thing that you do. It doesn't really mean that much. But suddenly these people have this awareness. They have this work of God's Spirit in their lives where they realize we're not just going through the motions. We are talking to the living God. He is living among us. He is doing things among us. And they devoted themselves to the prayers and right alongside this, there comes this, this awe, this, this amazing stuff. There are wonders and signs being done through the apostles. They, they see some amazing things that God is doing to establish and demonstrate that his spirit is present and active. What's interesting to me, though, is that Luke doesn't actually spend too much time on that. He, he mentions it. That was a, a significant thing that was happening. But what's even more significant as he's talking to people is what's happening in their community together. Because he jumps right back into what's happening in their relationships. He says there is this new kind of radical generosity he saw among them. He says that all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this wasn't some kind of uh, enforced communism, all right? What he's talking about is they're devoted to this group of people. And they're living in a time and a place where they didn't have a lot of the social safety nets that we do. You didn't have a DSHS. You didn't have food stamps. You didn't have a, a food bank and all those things that we've tried to put in place to care for people when they're having a hard time. If you were having a hard time, it was real easy to end up on the street with nothing. But this group of people, they, they were committed to each other. And when they saw a brother or a sister that was hurting, that was struggling, they said, listen, I've got more than I need and you aren't getting your needs met. They were willing to do something about it. They, they sold stuff. They, they provided for those needs. And there was this renewed hunger as well to worship together. It says that day by day, they were attending the temple together. They were gathering on a regular basis. There was this renewed desire to be together and this attitude of gratefulness. It says that they were breaking bread in their homes, 
receive their food with glad and generous hearts. I talked a few weeks ago about this idea of the orbit of our lives. What is it that we have centered around? What gravitational field is it that draws us in? And we talked about the fact that the world as a whole, okay, the system outside of Christ, has an orientation that pretty much revolves around me, my desires, my agenda, my getting ahead. It, it's a selfish kind of orbit. And yet Jesus called these people into a new orbit. He called them in an orbit that was oriented around the person of Christ. First John tells us the way to define God, he says, God is love. And if you're going to orbit your life around one who is love, that's going to change the way you live. And that's what you see. You see these people reorienting the orbit of their lives around love, love for each other, love for God. And, and the power of that gravitational pull began to pull others into the orbit as well. There were beautiful things happening. Their community could see, and it was spilling over. Let's go back to that verse. It says that they were having favor with all the people. This was distinct in their culture. They didn't see people living in communities like this. And look what happened. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This was an incredibly class-conscious culture. And one of the things they saw happening between these believers was they saw people of different classes, right? That, that thing there about people selling stuff to give to others, what that tells you is the rich were suddenly involving themselves in the lives of the poor. And that wasn't normal. If you were rich, it was just the poor guy's problem. You know, if he, if he didn't want to be a peasant, he shouldn't have been born one, right? It's his, it's his fault. But suddenly they're going, no, no, no. No, you are my brother. You are my sister. And I care. And the community saw this and they said, that's really different. You guys are crossing over lines and loving people we don't see normally being loved. And it was attractive. And many were being added to their number day by day. So what does all that have to do with this journey that we are calling Rooted? Because we can't manufacture a day of Pentecost. We, we can't try to just create some kind of movement of God's spirit on our own initiative. That is really God's choice as to how he brings about that kind of revival. And, and sometimes God does that. And God can do it in big ways. But, and we can pray for it. But that really is God's business, how he does those kinds of things. But something we can do and something I think we're responsible to do is to enter into that orbit of love. Bible knowledge is important. We believe that Bible teaching is an important part of our Christian life. But as we saw in 1 John, the Christian life is much more than what we know. It is a walk. It is, as I've come to say, a rhythm of life that is dictated by the cadence of heaven. And when you look at what made that early church in Acts such an amazing fellowship, being immersed in good teaching was definitely part of it, but it was only a part. What they knew about God made a difference in how they lived with each other. And whether you look at that beautiful description of Christian community, what you see are people who started living in a new Christ-empowered rhythm. 
They stepped out of being rutted in their own little habits, their own little socioeconomic sphere, and they became rooted into this community of God's people. They stepped into new rhythms of how they took their meals and who they took their meals with. They stepped into new rhythms in gathering for worship. They stepped into new rhythms of prayer. They stepped into new rhythms of Bible study and spiritual nurture. They stepped into new rhythms of generosity and care for each other. And those new rhythms changed their community. So how do we get this journey started? And how long does it take? Well, getting started, I think, may mean a little bit of soil preparation. Let me take you to one of Jesus' parables. This comes out of Mark chapter 4. And he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat, it, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So let's just call that kind of seed, bird seed. <laughs> then he says there's other seed that fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched since it, did not, since it had no root and it withered away. We'll call that fizzle seed. It didn't have any root. It couldn't last. Then other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. We'll call that weed seed. And then finally, he says that there was other seed that fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when I say we're going to call this good seed, that doesn't mean that the seed is really different. All the seed was good. Okay, what really was different was the kind of soil the seed landed on. It's just the good seed never had a chance on those other soils. But this time, it has a chance. The soil was ready for it. Jesus goes on to give his disciples uh, an explanation about this parable in verses 14 through 20. Here's what he says. Okay, first you've got the bird seed. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The fizzle seed. These are the ones sown on rocky ground and the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Then the weed seed. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And finally, the good seed. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So four kinds of hearers. The bird seed hearers, the ones who just 
let the truth in one ear and out the other. Jesus describes it as someone who lets Satan snatch it away without so much as a tug of war. They never really had any interest in taking it in. And then those fizzle seed hearers, they were receptive, but only in a shallow kind of way. Maybe they got caught up in the emotion of a religious moment. And so that little faith plant seemed to pop up but it turns out it's competing for a place to grow. They haven't really cleared a deep place in their hearts for it. There are rocks and other things in the way. Old habits and priorities and old success strategies and superstitions and you name it. And when challenges come, that little faith sprig has never been nurtured into anything strong enough to stand. Instead, they cling to those old, petrified, rutted habits and faith just gets washed away. Then he talks about the weed seed hearers. Uh, these are the ones who I would say have never cleared out the competition. You know, they're, they're like the guy you see trying to take a, a cell phone call while he's sitting in the bleachers at a football game. You know, he's trying to watch the field, there's people yelling behind him, he's trying to eat his popcorn, and at the same time he's trying to listen on the phone, and you know he's not doing any of it very well. And he says, there are those people, they've just allowed too many distractions in life that may have a good heart, they're kind of interested in what's happening on the phone, but they've never really cleared the distractions to listen to Jesus. Every fun thing that comes along gets free reign in their schedule. And, and they might have grown spiritually, but they never made the effort to do some holy weeding. And then finally, there are the good seed hearers. They not only hear God's word, but they make space for faith to grow deep and strong. They make the choice to clear out the thistles and the dandelions. They are willing to dig deep, if need be, to unearth the rocks that would keep their faith shallow. They make the space to let their faith become rooted. One of the ways I think that we work the soil, because you might say, okay, Tim, nice metaphor, but what does that really mean? What does it mean to really make space for the word to grow? And, and I think one of the ways we do it is through what is often called spiritual disciplines. That just means that we have made regular time for scripture reading, for study, for prayer, confession, reflection, fellowship, service, sharing our faith. We, we are intentional about these things. We clear the distractions and we make space for the roots of our faith to grow deep. Here's how Peter Gregg talks about it. It says, our relationship with God survives and thrives only through disciplines such as Bible study, fellowship, confession, and prayer. Otherwise, says pastor and author Eugene Peterson, we are at the mercy of glands and weather. A lot of people live their faith that way. If it's a sunny day, I love Jesus. If it's a rainy day, I don't know if God's even there. You know, glands and weather control our spiritual life because we've never really grown deep roots in Christ. So how long does the journey take? Well, one answer, it's the rest of your life. Burnett and I have some garden boxes. We've had them for years. But every year, weeds show up. And we have to go out once again and do the cultivation. We have to do some fertilizing. There's some, some work every year that we have a garden that has to go into that garden. But on the other hand, those garden boxes weren't always there. 
That used to be some bare hard ground that didn't produce anything. And, and a day came that we said, we want to do something different out there. We want to grow something. And uh, it was a bigger job than we could do by ourselves. We called Jeff, Jeff came, he helped out. We, we built garden boxes, we brought in new dirt, we brought in fertilizer, and that took some work, but it didn't really take that long. There was a span of a few weeks that we were building garden boxes, and now we've got them. There's still work we have to do to keep the garden going, but we kind of had to start at some point and say, we're going to make a space for this to happen. I think Rooted is kind of like that garden box project. In a relatively short period of time, I think it gives us the, the groundwork, if you will, to cultivate some new soil or maybe revitalize some ground that has gone fallow. Good soil where God can grow good things. So these next 10 weeks are not the end of all growing in the garden of our hearts, but I think it's a good start. Uh, Pastor Lance has been doing a lot of the legwork on this, and uh, I'm going to have him come up and just tell us a bit about what's going to happen these next few weeks. So, Lance. How are you feeling today, Lance? You know, um, I'm about one point away from feeling great. <laughs> um, Texas came up one point short <laughs> against Alabama. Otherwise, I'd be feeling really fine and dandy today. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, I'm feeling good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, otherwise, well, I'm feeling good. Well, talk to us about Rooted. What, what's the program look like? Oh, you know, one of the things I really like about it is it's not, I mean, I like video-based studies, but this is not a video-based study. You're going to go through every week for the next 10 weeks. You're going to do five studies a day, five study, one study every day for five days of that week. And then when you meet back together with your small groups, it's not going to be, you know, so much a lecture as it's going to be that you're sharing with each other, hey, this is what God, you know, this is how God spoke to me through this devotion. This is how God spoke to me through that that I learned. And this is how, and you know, your facilitators are there just to encourage you, and you're there to build this Christian community that's talked about in Acts, where, you know, the studies show that most people really get to know about 15 to 20 people in a church. It doesn't matter if that church is 20 people or if that church is 5,000 people. Most people really get to know about 15 or 20 people. And this is an opportunity for you to do life together with you know, somewhere between six and 12 people. And you're going to be able to follow up on your prayer requests and you're going to be able to pray together and to talk about God's word together and to talk about the things that are happening in your own lives together. And that's where real discipleship and real spiritual growth happens. And so it's really a foundational thing to learn, you know, how does God, how does God reveal himself through creation because we also have to make sure we're worshiping the creator, right? And not the creation, which is, you know, throughout human history been a problem. How does God speak to me? My rooted group this morning, we talked about, you know, God doesn't hide in a corner. He wants us to know what it is that he wants us to do. So how do we learn to listen to him? How do we learn to change the orbit of our lives where we're not, centered around ourselves, but we're centered around other people. What does that 
look like. And so that's really a great um, opportunity to get involved. About how many groups are there right now? Right now there's about 26 groups. The groups meet every single day of the week except Saturdays. So if you need a group and it's Sunday through Friday, we're able to get you into a small group. So that's not an issue at all. And they, there are groups that meet during the day. There are, most of the groups meet in the evenings, but there are lots of opportunities to get involved. Now, I may be the only one that's like this, but I tend to get my routines, and you're talking about me doing something different. If I'm feeling a little hesitant here, like, you know, what if there's like weird people in my group, or I mean, is this really something I should do? What would you say to the person that's still feeling hesitant about taking the step? Well, first I'd say, you know, come and join all the other weirdos because there's going to be <laughs> some weird people in your group. There might be because we're all weird in one sense or another, right? But, um, you know, the thing is, is that if you don't do something, if you want to expect something different, you've got to do something different than what it is that you're always doing. Otherwise, you do just fall into the rut that Pastor Tim was talking about this morning, and you're rutted and not rooted. And so, you know, these groups are designed to be a safe place. People are not going to call on you to pray if they know that you're not comfortable praying in public. People are not going to call on you to, you know, confess all of your sin. It's a place where it's designed to get to know people and to be a place that's safe and that's good for you and for for your heart and for your spirit. That's great. So if people want to get in a group, you're gonna be out there after the service, aren't you? Yes, if you're not currently in a group and you wanna be placed in a group, there's a sign up sheet out there in the foyer or you can email me or call the church office and I'll get in touch with you and we'll, I'll give you all the options that you have and make sure that you get plugged in. That's great, thank you. You're welcome, thank right. you. Well, each week I'm going to be preaching on the topic that the Rooted Groups are going to be discussing. So this is a journey we're going to do together. And, and I want to invite you to pray with me that these next 10 weeks, God is going to do some deep and good and new things in our hearts. We're not just looking for a sudden burst of, oh, we look really busy. We want to develop some habits that help us to go deeper in our walk with God, deeper in our walk with each other. I think that really is one of Jesus' great heart desires for his people. Let me give you just one warning, though, about this. We talk about this area of growing in spiritual disciplines. There's a lot of discussion these days, not just in Christian circles, but in other areas, too, about developing disciplines like meditation or mindfulness and and they have no focus at all on Christ. It's really just kind of a personal enrichment technique to try and you know, bring down your pulse rate and increase your positive endorphins. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about developing habits specifically to help us grow deeper in our walk with Christ. Here's what James Bryan Smith says. Despite the emphasis in many current books on spiritual disciplines, these practices are not meant for reducing stress ordering one's daily routine, understanding one's personality better, having spiritual experiences, or gaining any number of other fringe benefits that do often result from the disciplines. All of these matters are secondary to the goal of becoming more like Christ. Dallas Willard, who has passed away now, but was one of the guys who in the modern times really 
uh, got Christians thinking again about this whole area of spiritual disciplines, uh, he worried that thinking about spiritual disciplines uh, themselves rather than what they are intended to do could degenerate into a focus on technique rather than real spiritual growth. They focus on the how, not the why. And, and I love this one quote from Willard. It says, Jesus was not interested in making bigger churches, but in making bigger Christians. And that's what Rooted is about. Not that we get bigger numerically, though that's wonderful, because we saw what happened at early church. As people began to orient their lives around Christ, there was an overflow to their community, and others were drawn to Christ. That is wonderful. But it begins, first and foremost, because we have become deeper in our walk with Christ. So I want to encourage you to get out of your rut and grow some roots. If you haven't got signed up yet, talk to Pastor Lance. And next Sunday evening, I'd like to invite you to a prayer time here at the church at 6 o'clock. Uh, there's no big agenda on it, except that I want us just to pray together for God to be at work among us and that we would be growing. So that'll be next Sunday night. No ruts, just roots, okay?